Well, first of all, dude, hey, thanks so much for joining us today, dude. Like, I uh, I know that the beginning of the week it was a little bit of a uh, it was a little bit of catastrophe on my end, but you were gracious yeah. enough to make time in your schedule for another one of these episodes, buddy. No worries, my pleasure. Yeah. So, um, I, I'm really excited to talk to you about, like, why did you make the career move, right? Um, you, you know, you're not a spring chicken. I'm not a spring chicken. And the thought of completely starting over in a different career, the, the thought of like actually getting into another category um, is a little bit frightening. And I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast, that's exactly what's going on in their mindset right now is that, man, am I too old to start this venture? Am I just too like, am I too, un- am I too uneducated to start this? Give us a little bit of an experience of what happened. What was life like for you before you made this decision to get into your current position right now? Yeah. So JK, first of all, again, thank you so much for having me. But, you know, if we rewind the tape to 2000, um, for me, I was just a miserable micromanaged, you know, 45 minute commute to work and back investment banker, Mm -hmm. specializing in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups. And it got so bad for me. I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. Hmm. I get the Friday blues, anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. Hmm. So I kind of stumbled into land investing and I did really well with it. So, but you know, anyone could have done really well when I started from 2001 to 2000 and let's say seven, right? Any dumb monkey could have made money in real estate. And (laughs) I was that dumb monkey. (laughs) <laughs> and then, you know, 2008, we get to hit, hit the great recession. Yeah. And, and now, you know, I really didn't get hit really hard till 2010, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, that was sort of a, a, an unbelievable ego kick to the head because I had Parkinson's law of money. So the more money I made, the more money I spent. Yeah. And it, you know, and I really thought like, oh, this is it. This is what success is. You know, you have the big house, you have the luxury car, you go on the nice vacations, your kids go to private school. Mm-hmm. And I had the nanny and I had the housekeeper and all these things. And I was miserable. Mm. So, you know, I just created this huge overhead for myself. And it wasn't until I was forced to do it by circumstances that I really started to see like, okay, it's never enough. Mm-hmm. It's just never enough. Like anything external, it'll never be enough. And it was, it was like, I don't feel like I'm enough. And I think that's a constant battle for anyone that is trying to get to, let's call it the second mountain. Mm -hmm. So let's say the first mountain is egoic, Mm -hmm. right? You get the good education, you get the good job, you, you know, you check off all the boxes, the house, the car, the vacations, and next thing you know, it's all empty. Yeah. So then you go to the second mountain, purpose-driven. It's about faith. It's about community. It's about relationship right? It's about your vocation. It's no longer about, uh, you know, making money, which is just a byproduct of the value you create. It's your vocation. Mm -hmm. And so that's your second mountain and it's a harder mountain to climb, Mm -hmm. but it's way more gratifying. So the process, that's that's sort of a long answer. No, I think it's, it's really great. I mean, you covered a lot there because I, so I want to go back to this a little bit, if you don't mind. So 2010, so it's interesting that 2010 was really the hard year for you because most of us felt that in 2008 and 2009, it's like, what the heck? Our world's got completely turned upside down. You know, I remember for us, like I literally was, 
I was literally thinking about getting out of real estate in 2008, 2009, because I couldn't make a living. We're living off of our taxes, tax returns, actually. And that's actually what opened up the opportunity for us to open up our business, like our Coldwell Banker business that we currently have to this day. And so for you, 2010, you mentioned, I mean, uh, you got, you had a nanny, you had to, you had to get rid of the nanny. You took your kids out of private school. You sold the mansion. Like you were literally having to just gut everything. But one thing that, uh, I know in a previous conversation I talked about is that you were able to get rid of all these external things. And it's amazing what the internal things that were happening in your life started to look like. Give us an idea of that. 2010, everything is getting dismantled, but there's something internally happening inside of you. Yeah. So internally what's happening is I'm, I'm seeing in real time that, okay, I've got this huge ego kick. Mm -hmm. So I can't rely on that anymore. That identity that I'd built up, that this idea of what a successful person looks like is gone. Mm -hmm. So what am I left with? Well, I'm left with three amazing children and, you know, my wife at the time. And so, you know, I'm working on relationships and now we can't afford to go out all the time like we could before. Yeah. And so, you know, that Friday night, we're playing charades as a family and it's way more enjoyable Mm -hmm. than that big fancy, you know, egoic, you know, steak dinner Mm -hmm. with a bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, because it's so fleeting. Yeah. But the, you know, so, you know, I started to see like, Oh my gosh, it's all about these relationships and in doing that. So I took that sort of experience and took it everywhere along with me, um, even into business mm-hmm. where the relationship comes first. Yeah. Yeah. I talk a lot about with, uh, with the people with that, they're kind of in my community about the difference between chasing happiness and chasing joy and chasing that happiness is that external stuff that you are constantly trying to fill your cup with, right? You're constantly right. Use, doing the steak dinners and the cars and the clothes and the mansions and the, the things that are fleeting that will eventually get old. Uh, but if you start chasing the joy, the things that are eternal, the things that really stick with you, such as the memories that you create with your children, right? The times where you spend intentionally with those conversa- in those conversations with people, that's the thing that actually gives you the, f- f- the fulfillment. I would love to know this. Um, so you're, you're in a really healthy, uh, a, a really healthy uh, job, right? I mean, you're, you're making lots of money. Things start to implode. When did you recognize... Um, in that 2010, 2012 um, time period where you're like, I, I got to I gotta start chasing something different now. Like now you, you've started to see the internal change in you. What made you make the jump to what you're doing now, which is wholesaling, buying land and selling it again? And, and, uh, and you can go into this a little bit more too, but like, tell me the process of that. And what age were you at that point? So I, actually, I started the land business in 2001, and I'd quit my job. Right. So I was doing the land business from 2001. Okay. Till, it actually, till now. Like, okay. I love my land business. But what I did start and what that journey brought me was I was never focused on relationships. Okay. And then in 2010, really 2011, I thought, well, why don't I help other people get to this point of what I call solo economic dependency or getting out of solo economic dependency, which is it's, if they're personally not working, they're not making any money. Mm-hmm. So anybody with a job, uh, you know, freelancers, doctors, lawyers, it's a one-to-one input, right? So sort of like that Robert Kiyosaki mm-hmm. cash flow quadrant. So I wanted to help the S's 
and uh, the Eve, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so doing that was quite a journey because I didn't know anything about marketing myself. I didn't know anything about teaching people how to do what I did. I just did what I did. Mm -hmm. So going through that struggle, that was a whole separate mountain. And then creating community, uh, very similar to what you've done, mm -hmm. that's a whole thing, Yeah. right? And that's really hard to do yeah. because it's just you and your voice and you attract who you attract. Right. And if you're lucky, you attract the people you want to attract right. and you repel the people you don't want to attract. And I think if I had not gone through what I went through in 2010, I wouldn't have been able to attract the people in our community that we have today. And if you look at my marketing, I don't use any hot cognition points. You'll never see me in front of a luxury car, mm -hmm. you know, me on the beach, you know, or, uh, you know, at this big house, the implicit message being once you get all these things, you're successful. Yeah. And then once you're successful, you'll be happy yeah. because you and I both know, you know, there's two different skill sets here to be successful is one skill set, but to have joy in your life yeah. is a completely separate skill set. Yeah. Yeah. You, when you started making this transition, you and I also spoke about this idea of the profit first model as well too. And I think that's really important because even, you know, being able to, um, chase your passions, being able to find your greater purpose, like all of those are awesome. But, uh, you also have to figure out like to a certain point, if you're going to be doing that, you also have to be good at making money because money is a good thing. Money's a great thing. It allows you to do so many phenomenal things with it when it's, when it's done correctly and it's used, uh, when it's used correctly as well too. I would love to help us. I would love to have you help us and our audience about this idea of this profit first model. If you could go into that for us, that would be phenomenal. Yeah. So many entrepreneurs do what I call, you know, bank balance, uh, accounting, uh -huh. right? Okay. They look at their bank balance every, you know, let's say every morning, like I would. Yeah. And they see this one account and they're like, Oh, my company's doing well. I have this much money in the bank. Right. And if that goes up, they feel good. If it goes down, they feel bad and they like start scrambling. What profit first does is it takes your income. And then from that income, you separate it into your tax account, mm -hmm. your operating expense account, your payroll account, and your profit account. So as soon as that income comes in, you take your profit out first. Mm -hmm. So you're assured a profit. And then once you see these smaller buckets, then you are no longer, you have this sort of internal fiscal discipline. Here's my profit. Here's my payroll. Here's what I got set aside for tax. I don't have to worry about, you know, scrambling at the end of the year, where's, where's the money for taxes. Yeah. And you've got your operating expense and you can see how your overhead is fluctuating. Maybe you have to lower your overhead to have more profit. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I actually, about three years ago, we started using the profit first model as well too. And, oh, great. and, uh, I will tell you, in fact, it was, this is great that we're talking about this. Cause I literally was on the phone with another gentleman this morning and he was talking about the anxiety that he has on a monthly basis because they are living with, uh, they're living outside their means. And he, uh, he and his wife just can't get on the same page, right? They can't get on the same page when it comes to the spending, uh, because she doesn't have nearly the same anxiety that he has when he looks at the accounts and says, you know, that's only going to last us a couple months. And she's going, great, we have money in there for a couple months, right? 
right. and I completely recommended the book Profit First and the sequencing of what they recommend in there as well too. So I love that you started to use that concept. What have you found to be the most beneficial? Like what have you like what have you through that Profit First part of it um, has been the most aha moment for you to say, I am so glad like this right here has been a complete game changer in my life and in the way that I view money. Yeah. So there's no more financial insecurity. Mm -hmm. That's really it. It's just so clear where the cash flow is, where the money goes each month. Mm -hmm. There's no more, it's not in my head anymore. And these buckets allow me to see where we can make bigger investments in the businesses, Yeah, where we need to make adjustments and we can just focus on, let's keep building the profit account. Yeah. And then we can say to our spouse or our significant other, this is the profit. This is what we can take out to enjoy life with. But only 50% of that is for us. The other 50% is to grow the business yeah. so we can get more profit. Right. And if we can both agree on that, then we don't have any financial thing to, to fight about. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like we were sharing, I was sharing with them too, the statistics too, you know, when it comes to marriages and it comes to divorce, you know, 45% of marriages are ending in divorce, actually it's 42%. And out of that 42%, half of it is either because of lack of communication or because of financial stress and how important yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, I'm going through a divorce right now yeah. and, you know, people always ask me like, why are you guys getting divorced? It was, it was a, it was a very strong 22 year marriage. We've three amazing children yeah and you know there wasn't anything dramatic like no there's no infidelity yeah anything like that it was it was death by a thousand cuts mm -hmm. but it gets back to your original uh client that you're talking to that we couldn't align on these big values in life yeah right what's the best way to guide the kids what's the best way to invest money or save money mm -hmm. and if you go to, through that too long um and you can't communicate on the same plane, it's it's really hard. There's a great uh, article by Alain de Baton, okay. the most pretentious French name, but the guy's British. <laughs> and it's a New York Times article about why you'll marry the wrong person. Hmm. And what we're attracted to is somebody that is comfortable, mm -hmm. not necessarily good for us. Hmm. And so we find the people that will have a suffer in just the right way. Mm -hmm. And you either resolve it through the marriage or you don't. Mm -hmm. And if you're lucky, you resolve it and you guys get on the same page and yeah. and, and, and it works. Yeah. Or unfortunately, 45% of the time, it, it doesn't work out and you, you grow from that and hopefully you learn from it and you make a better choice yeah. in the future. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I'd love to know, okay, so let's, we, we've gone through the challenges in life, right? You've continued to uh, evolve. You've continued to grow yourself. Um, tell us about work right now. Tell us about uh, life. Let's tell about, tell us about the, the land geeks right now, because this is an awesome thing. I had the opportunity to listen to you guys present at one of the masterminds that we both attended. Uh, and I will tell you, you know, so we, we, you know, we're in the great state of Wyoming and we've got land. We've got land. We've actually got expensive land, as you well know. Um, right. But we have got land and I will tell you, I love love the concept. I love what you guys are doing. Please share with our audience because I know that they're super intrigued about what you do and why you love what you do. Okay. So Josh, I'm going to walk you through the model. Okay. Perfect. All right. JK. Yes, All right. There you go. So JK, you're in Wyoming mm -hmm. and I'm going to assume that you own 20 acres of raw land okay. in Texas. Okay. And I'm going to assume you owe $200 in back taxes. Okay. 
And this is public information. Yeah. So I, so what you're basically advertising to me are two really important things. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to the raw land. Mm-hmm. You're in Wyoming, properties in Texas. And number two, you're financially distressed in some weird way because we don't pay for things. We don't value them in the same way. Yeah. And JK, since you're not paying your taxes, you're getting a notice every month by the county treasurer saying, JK, if you don't pay your taxes, eventually you're going to lose that property to a tax lien or a tax deed investor. So all I'm going to do is take the lowest comparable sales on your 10 acre parcel for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm going to divide by four. And that's going to give me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So I'm going to send you an actual offer on your 10 acres. Now let's say the lowest comparable sale was $10,000. I'll send you an offer for $2,500. Now you accept it. Why? Because for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. Yeah. In reality, three to 5% of people accept our quote unquote top dollar offer. Okay. But now that you've accepted it, I have to go through due diligence with this in-depth research. I have to confirm you still own the property. I have to confirm back taxes are only $200. I have to make sure that there's no breaks in the chain of title. Mm-hmm. There's no liens or encumbrances. Mm-hmm. I want to know what I can do out there, what I can't do out there. What are the roads like? What are the neighbors like? So I have this whole big property checklist. I outsource it to my team in the Philippines. It costs about 11 bucks. They're uh, integrated with an American title company. And then we close on the property. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's over $5,000, I'll close through traditionally through a title company. Mm-hmm. I won't take the risk. Yeah. But they'll still do my due diligence. And then while I'm doing due diligence, I'm creating a marketing package for my, my buyer. So now you get a check for $2,300. I pay $200, pay off your taxes. And I'm going to sell this property, JK, 30 days or less. And I'm going to make a cash flow like a rental home. So I have a built-in best buyer. Do you know who it is? The neighbors, the neighbors. <laughs> so I'll send out neighbor letters saying, hey, here's your opportunity. Expand your views, yeah. protect your privacy, yeah. know your neighbor. Yeah. Now, if the neighbors pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. The buyer's list passes, I'll go to a little website you may have never heard of called Craigslist, 10th okay. most trafficked website in the United States. Never heard of that website. <laughs> never heard of it. I go to, I go to I'm, I'm pre- you may not have heard of this one, but it's called Meta. Hmm. You I have not Facebook. heard of that. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Facebook. Yeah. So buy, sell groups, marketplace, and then the lands, landmoto.com, right. landfarm.com, landsofamerica.com, landflip.com, yeah. landhub.com. Platforms where people buy and sell raw land. Mm. But the way that I sell it is where the magic happens. Yes. I make it I, irresistible. Yeah, I love this model that right here. This is the thing that intrigued me the most. So yes, I'm glad you're getting into this. So for 10 acres, all I'm going to ask from you is a $2,500 down payment. So mm. I want to get my capital out on the down. I could go six to 10 months out. And then I'm making a car payment. Four forty-nine a month, nine percent interest for the next eighty-four months. Mm-hmm. So it's a one-time sale. I get four forty-nine a month, nine percent interest over the next eighty-four months. No renters, no rehabs, yeah. no renovations, yeah. no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with the tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd Frank, RESPA, and the Safe Act. All this onerous real estate legislation. Wow. So the game we play is: can we create enough of these land notes where our passive income? exceeds our fixed expenses. Mm-hmm. And then we're working because we want to, not because we have to, and we could afford some land in Wyoming and live mm-hmm. next to JK. There you go. That is awesome, dude. Now, I know what you've also done too, just on a bigger scale for the audience, which I love this as well too, is that you've actually taken larger parcels 
of land, you've subdivided them, and then you've offered the same type of financing as well too. You've actually you are, you have multiple choices when it comes to the financing terms to make it very attractive to people. Exactly, exactly. So if they put more down, yeah. we lower the interest rate for them. Yeah. So we use that lever yeah. as well. Yeah. How, how, just out of curiosity, so because we do know that land in Wyoming, you and I talked about that, is expensive. I've I've been seeing that there's um, there is an organization, uh, BB Brooks, uh, as sure. you well know, uh, they've yeah. done kind of this a little bit of that model, uh, not quite like what you're doing, but it's something similar. Uh, where are you finding the best opportunities when it comes to land like this? Where are you guys focused on? Where do you feel as like are yeah. the great places to do this? I mean, JK, let's face it, nobody wakes up. And thinks to themselves, boy, I'd like some raw land in Iowa today. Right. Unless you live in Iowa. Right. So we're focused on Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, hmm. Colorado, Arizona, uh, California, Florida. These are the sunshine states. Maybe Washington, Oregon, um, a little bit in the Northwest. Okay. And then there's some beautiful parts of the Midwest as well. Yeah. But that's really where we're focused. And we want the biggest buyer pool as possible. Uh-huh. So where do you see this going? What's the what's the next step? What's the next opportunity of growth for you, and uh, in, in, within this company? So you know, there's this Japanese term I, I love called kaizen. Yes, and absolutely. it's continuous improvement. Yep. And I just want to get better mm-hmm. at everything I do. Can I be a better leader? Can we, you know, help more people get out of social economic dependency? Yeah. Uh, for people like you that have already solved their money problems. Can we help them solve their time problems hmm. as well? Yeah. So work with those people. Um, and, and really, I just want to get better at that, grow as a person. Yeah. And, at the, and when I take my last breath, be a good ancestor. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Pass along my values. That's awesome. How, now, you've kind of expanded this for um, outside people so that they can come in and, and potentially invest in land opportunities as well, too. Uh, tell us a little bit of that as if you've... Uh, if I'm a person or say, you know, I'm really intrigued by this. I, like, I'm looking for ways to actually um, uh, make money. I'm, I'm diversifying my portfolio. Uh, what do those opportunities look like with you guys? Yeah, if you're an accredited investor, um, we do have a fund. And, you know, we'll talk to you one-to-one and see if we're a good fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of walk you through the model, what we're doing, mm-hmm. show you the pipeline of deals we're doing. And what your expected return could be. Mm-hmm. And if it's attractive to you and it works, then we can work together. And if not, we part as friends. Yeah. Where do they go to actually find that? Where do they go to actually hunt you down? They have to email me. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you want to give that away, we'll put this in the notes, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, M-A-R-K <laughs> at Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And then what if like, so how about if this, what if I'm just looking for land and I'm like, man, I'd love to know what you guys have for sale. Uh, and those those terms seem really reasonable because I don't think a bank would actually, you know, I'm not sure that bank, I want to go to a, a traditional bank either. So wh- where would we go to find the availability that you have for land? Yeah, I would go to FrontierPropertiesUSA.com. Okay. Piece yeah. of cake. Easy. Yeah, I love it, dude. So as we wrap this up here, um, I just would love to know, like, so... Right now, you're just the audience. Once again, you're talking to is is an entrepreneur, a business owner, somebody that is uh, they're just going through the grind right now, man. They are literally like they're trying to get to base camp one, or maybe they've gotten to base camp one and they're trying to get to that first range, that first mountain peak, uh, and and they they've they've maybe hit a wall. And I would love for you to just kind of like pour into them right now. What what was it? What would it be that you would say to them to help them get to that top of that first mountain range? I would say this is a marathon of sprints. 
right? So I would say when you're working, be really, really focused, but then stop, hmm. right? And I don't think we give enough credence to downtime mm -hmm. and that time to just play and take those long walks in nature and just think. The thinking part is really where you make the most money yeah. as an entrepreneur. But if you're in it every day doing the grind, you're not going to grow. You're not going to think about ways to scale. You're not going to e-myth it. You're not going to have time to think about systems and processes and the who, not how of growing. So to have that time is really, really important. So sprint, rest, sprint, rest. If you're just burning, burning, burning through a 12 hour day, mm. you're going to burn out. And it's not, and, and to go to your point at the very beginning, there's a big difference between happiness and joy. Mm -hmm. Growing a business will not make you happy, but it'll provide a lot of joy for you. And it should be joyful every single day as you're going through it, even solving these problems. But if you don't have the time and it's not joyful, that's a good signal. Like I got to slow down, take a step back, get back to the fundamentals, maybe read the e-myth, maybe read who, not how, mm -hmm. um, and take that time and do and, and, and rest. Yeah. I love it, man. I am in the middle of the book, who, not how, by the way. So I, I so appreciate what you just brought up right there. And uh, once again, it's just a constant reminder. You guys have heard us talk about this on our, on the podcast about that flame work and that time away and how important it is and that rest and that relaxation. And so Mark, that's just really, really well said. Hey, uh, you've got a podcast by the way, where can people find more of you? Because I know that people are going to be very interested to hear more of your wisdom. Yes, the Art of Passive Income podcast. We have two distinct podcasts that come out each week. Okay. The first one is a roundtable podcast with myself and our coaches. And we take a pain point in the land investing business and we you know, basically mastermind it. Uh -huh. The second one, though, is when we get guys like JK on <laughs> and we ask them about what they're doing. We try to extract out how they build passive income, how they've been successful in life. So it's like mentorship for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes as well. Awesome. That is fantastic, man. Well, I know that our audience is really intrigued. They will definitely be looking for that. I'm going to start looking for that as well, too. So I really appreciate the heads up on that. All right, you guys. Hey, listen, this was a fantastic opportunity and fantastic time with our man, Mark. Uh, we know, you guys know the price of admission for this podcast is to share it. It's all we ask. We don't run ads on this. We don't do any other ask on this. We want you to share it because we know somebody in your life right now would absolutely be benefiting from an opportunity that we had today here with Mark. So, all right, you guys, that's all we have for you today. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll be talking with you soon.